0: How does winning over $1 million in prizes sound? Hi, Kevin Draves from The Howell, Timberwolves Radio Show here, and Rode Microphones wants to help you do just that. My Road Reel, the world's largest short film festival, just launched for 2018 with over $1 million in prizes available. Want to enter? Go to www.road.com slash myroadreel and follow four easy steps. You download the starter pack, create your short film, make a BTS, and submit. It's as simple as that. Contest closes July 31st. For more info and rules, visit road.com slash myroadreal. Road, studio quality, easy accessibility since 1967. Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves.
1: It's the fifth pick in the 1995 NBA draft. The Minnesota Timberwolves select Kevin Garnett from Farragut Academy in Chicago. And
0: the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to the Western Conference Finals. Happy birthday, Kevin Garnett. Go at Molloy! Whoa! Got it! Oh my, oh my, oh my. Jimmy Butler has been sent reunited with his former coach, Tom Thibodeau, in Minnesota. 4.7 4.7 seconds, Gibson's to get it in, does, Wiggins drives across midcourt, Andrew lets it fly at the buzzer for the
1: road. First half on The Howl, you're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. This week, just like last, we will be having the first half instead of quarters one and two, and we will be focusing on the NBA draft. This is kind of a review. We'll take a look at the picks. I'll, I'll kind of go over what we're thinking in terms of whether we liked it, whether we didn't, compare it to my mock, and we'll be able to kind of uh, break down the draft and kind of put it to a close. So starting with pick number one, the Phoenix Suns did go with who I figured that they would. Reports were that this is the guy that they wanted at pick number one, so it makes a lot of sense they went with DeAndre Ayton. I personally think he's going to be a very good player, But I do think there were better options available at number one. One of which would have been Luka Doncic. I think I would have gone with over him. Especially given the ties to their coach. But on top of that, I also am a giant fan of Mo Bamba. And if I'm getting a center, that would have been the one I would have gone with. But that's me personally. Again, I don't think they made a a poor choice with Aiton. Because he's going to be a very good player. I just think long term, there probably were some better options. Looking at pick number two. We have the Kings sitting there, and they go with Power forward Marvin Bagley. This is who I had them taking in my mock. A lot of the news around draft time was that this is who they were taking, so it made a lot of sense from that perspective. As far as the kings are concerned i I, I don't get it at all i I think you know they kind of talked about how they felt this was a a, a good a better fit than some of the other players, because they like what De'Aaron Fox brings to the table as far as guard play is concerned, and they felt bringing in a player like Doncic would have possibly upset what they have building there. But again, if you're a young rebuilding team, you need talent. And let's not pretend that De'Aaron Fox has already proven he's some sort of an all-star. He is not just this proven commodity. And so, for my money, if you're going to draft a guy based on the little sample we've seen from him currently— I don't get it. I just don't get it. So that's where I'm at with this. But again, uh, the Kings do take Marvin Bagley, and that is what I had in my draft. For them, I would say there were better options on the table, but this is what they went with. Uh, Again, though, I think Luka Doncic or, heck, uh, even a player like maybe Jaron Jackson or Mobamba, one of my favorite players in this draft, the guy that I think when all is said and done will be the best player in this draft. I think that's where you're looking as far as what would have made more sense for the Kings. The only thing I'll add to this, as far as Marvin Bagley is concerned, when the draft process started, I just was not in love with Marvin Bagley. In fact, he, one of, in the in the top ten, he was one of the players that I liked least. But you know, in watching his game more, I I do appreciate some of the things he's able to do. Love his high motor, and uh, you know, some people talk about how he probably has one of the best second jumps uh, that they've ever seen in the draft. So there's things to like about him. I, I For my money, though, I just I, I can't get down with Marvin Bagley here at two for the Kings. But I guess we'll see. Maybe they'll prove us wrong. Looking at pick number three, we have the Hawks. Now, this is where things got a little goofy. They traded with the Dallas Mavericks. So they made this pick. Uh, the Mavericks ended up making the pick after sending the number five pick and a 2019 protected first rounder to the Hawks. Now, my understanding, I believe, is that this is a it's a protected first-rounder that uh, the Hawks received in this deal. I believe it's protected one through five. And obviously, if you're the Dallas Mavericks, you know, you're know you probably, your hope is that you are giving this pick away, not because you want to get rid of first-round picks, but you hope that you've improved enough to that point where it's not going to be top five. So I guess, I guess we'll see. It's an interesting trade. I, I love it for the Mavericks. Luka Doncic is arguably the best player in this draft. So I get why they made it to the Hawks, You know, they add another piece for down the road. They were fully enamored with Trey Young. That was the guy they just were all in on. So if if you so I I talk about this a lot when I when I when I do some NFL draft stuff. But my whole thing with the draft is if you're a team and you go into the draft process and you say to yourself, "All right, this is the guy that I want. This is who I'm hoping we like we can end up with." And I, I kind of appreciate a coach or a GM saying this is the guy I want no matter what and I'm going to find a way to get him and what I like about the fact that they they liked Trey Young and they said this is our guy is not only did they end up with him but they got better value for him because at pick 3 it's definitely a reach given who's on the board at pick 5 it makes a lot more sense and it's much more it's much more palatable at that stage so I like it I think it's a good pick uh, as far as they're concerned now uh if if I'm a Hawks fan though I probably look at this and I say I would have probably had Luka Doncic, but at least, unlike with the Kings, there's definitely some some optimism, there's some things to like, and and when all's said and done, uh, you know, at the end of this mock, I think w- you can kind of agree that the Hawks had a really, really solid draft, and you know the direction that they're going, which some people kind of feel like it's a kind of a, a next-gen Warriors, that they're going with that, you know, that shooting is really what their focus has been, but anyways... For my mock, I did have them taking Luka Doncic just because, for my money, I didn't think that they were going to be able to pass on such a talent at number three. And in a way, uh, I do get this right because the third pick is Luka Doncic, just to a different team. Moving on to the Grizzlies. At the Grizzlies pick, I was kind of torn out what to do. Right before you know, Going into the draft, there was a lot of reports. Players just did not want to end up with the Grizzlies. Did not like the management situation, the roster, the fact that it was going to be a rebuild. Guys didn't necessarily want to be there, but based on who was available and based on who they liked, my assumption was that they were going to go with Jaron Jackson Jr., and that's why I had in, their, in my mock. That is who they end up taking here, which is which is uh, a nice match, I think, for the Grizzlies, and just before the draft, we were able to, to hear about how Jaron Jackson had Decided he was okay with being with the Grizzlies. So it ends up being a much better pick at that stage because, you know, you're getting a guy that, that, that has accepted like, yeah, I think I can, I can join the Grizzlies and kind of start building them and start helping them out on this rebuild process. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Jaron Jackson has a, a, a really, really high ceiling and a, a relatively uh, high floor too. So I think it's a really solid pick there for that rebuilding team. At pick five, as we talked about, that was the Mavericks originally, but they traded that pick away. So, with the trade, you have the Hawks at five take Trey Young, which makes a lot of sense. That was the guy that they had really been set on. And by moving back, the pick makes a lot of sense. So, Trey Young does go to five. Of course, with Trey Young going at five, that does put the Magic in a little bit of a situation because, uh, by all reports, a lot of people felt like going into the draft. Trey Young was the number one target for the Magic. Now, again, I'm not sitting in their draft room, but that is who I had mocked to the Magic at number six, is I I felt he would make a lot of sense. What the Magic do is what their GM said they would do. In this instance, they do go best player available, which is Mo Bamba. And again, when all is said and done, he might be the best player in this draft class. Again, time will tell, but I do like this pick for the Magic at number six. At number seven, we move on to the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls take center Wendell Carter Jr. out of Duke. I absolutely love this pick for the Bulls. Not only is it arguably best player available, but on top of that, I think he can has the potential to fit so nicely next to Larry Markkinen, uh, you know, one of their big, young uh, pieces for this rebuild. So I, I think it's a, a great pick, and it's actually who I had them taking in their mock draft. One thing to watch for if you have not watched Wendell Carter Jr. much, fantastic footwork and he's kind of when I watch his game he feels like he's kind of a mesh between a modern and kind of a a, an old-timey big man he's got some post moves he can take it a little more outside with a nice jump shot you've got a lot of options in terms of building with Wendell Carter and being at such a young age that he is he fits in nicely with the direction this franchise is going moving on to pick number eight I had Michael Porter Jr. going here. Now, when I made my mock draft, my final one, the one thing that I I thought about was that Michael Porter could easily slip well past this. But in my head, I felt like if you're the Cavs, you feel like you're probably going to lose LeBron James, let's say. I think that would be the pick you take kind of as a home run option. The other player I had in previous mocks was Colin Sexton was the other name that I had linked to the Cavaliers in the end, they do go with Colin Sexton and uh, take a look. If we take a look at CBS they have a little write up here. They say Sexton is the middle ground for the Cavs. He could play with LeBron James. Should the King return, he could be the playmaker for a post LeBron future too. Michael Porter Jr. would have been the higher upside pick, but this one shouldn't offend anyone. So it makes a lot of sense here. Colin Sexton is a very good player. I think, If you like, just like they mentioned in any scenario that you're kind of building with, whether it's with LeBron or without Colin Sexton makes a lot of sense. And I think he's going to be able to contribute day one at a pretty high level. I am a big fan of Colin Sexton and what he brings to the table. And I think the, the Cavaliers could have done a lot worse with this pick. Moving on to pick number nine, going into the draft, this one felt pretty obvious as far as the Knicks are concerned. I went with Kevin Knox reports at the time, were that it really seemed like that was the guy they had set their sights on. I know another player they really liked was Wendell Carter Jr. But obviously in the real scenario, as well as in my mock, he was not available. And so it made a lot of sense to go with that next guy that they really liked, Kevin Knox. A good small forward, and I think he can start to you know help that rebuild with the Knicks long-term. You know, Obviously, you have Porzingis, who's going to be out for a little while. When he gets back... The, add those two guys you've got frank Keenan in the mix you've got some nice pieces uh, to start building in the east so i like that now at number 10 this got a little weird for my money so initially so i had the 76ers taking Mikael bridges which is exactly what they do they draft Mikael bridges and i'm thinking to myself yep this pick makes a lot of sense add to it that Mikael bridges mom works for the organization and at that point you're thinking this is a fantastic pick. You had heard the 76ers really liked him. If he had, if he could go anywhere, that's where he wanted to go with the 76ers. So you're thinking it's a match made in heaven. Unfortunately, what ends up happening is later on, the Phoenix Suns actually trade for Mikael Bridges. They send number 16 and a 2021 first rounder via the Heat to the 76ers. Let me say this about the trade. I like Mikael Bridges. I do not like Mikael Bridges enough where I'm going to be able to, that I'm willing to send them a 2021 first rounder. For anyone that's not aware of this, in 2021 there is a chance that they could have reverted back to that could be the first year that they've reverted back to high school players being allowed in the NBA. If that's the case, if it's the first year, this is what you have to think about. That draft is going to have all the top talent from 2020, and it's going to have all the top talent from 2021. So it's going to be a crazy deep draft because you're going to have all the guys that were one and done. And then you're also going to have all the guys that are none and done, all the guys straight out of high school. So that one year is going to be massive as far as talent is concerned in that first round. So I think, now again, it's not a guarantee that 2021 is when this happens, but signs point to it being right around this time. I just think you can't take that chance. It's too much of a commodity. And if we're looking at at the way this turned out, The Phoenix Suns get Mikael Bridges. That's fine. But at at 16, you would have gotten Zaire Smith. I don't think we can downplay Zaire Smith. The guy has all the talent in the world. He's young. I have no doubt he's going to be a fantastic player. And I just think you you sold him short. And I think you're also overestimating the talent Mikael Bridges brings to the table with a trade like this. On top of that, the 76ers, I get why they do it. They get this great future pick. They also get Zaire Smith, a guy that reports where they were really big on coming into this draft. In fact, I think there was a chance they were going to take him at 10. That was kind of uh, one of the top teams that I felt he could possibly go to. So I get it from the 76ers' point of view, but at the same time, you get Mikael Bridges, you have this cool story. So I think from both teams' perspectives, uh, I'm a little sour on it. I, I think I would have liked it to just you know stick with the way it was, but I get why the Sixers did it. The Suns, uh, good luck, I guess. Moving on. Oh, and by the way, I had Mikael Bridges here in my mock, so I think that made a lot of sense. But moving on to pick number eleven, we have the Hornets. And the Hornets, what they did was they were able to find out, and I don't think it was, I don't think it was any sort of like breaking news. Pretty widely reported that the Clippers were really high on shy Gilgeous-Alexander, and on top of that, uh, they. Really, and once, you know, if you're the Hornets and you're like, oh, the guy's right behind us, they want to take this guy that's sitting here, why don't we take him? Why don't we take him? Or why don't we at least let them know that we want to take him, and that way we can maybe get some value out of this. So what ends up happening is there's a trade. The Clippers end up making this pick after trading 12 and two second rounders to the Hornets for number 11. Even though it was a roundabout way of getting there because of the trade, the Hornets do end up taking the player I had them mocking which is Miles Bridges, the small forward out of Michigan State. I absolutely love this pick for them. The fact that they were able to get a guy that, you know, not necessarily slides a bit, but given the talent in this draft, given that people felt he did not get as good staying an extra year at Michigan State, he's able to slide a little bit, and they get, I think, a solid player. And again, depending on what they end up doing this offseason, whether they keep Kemba, whether they trade him, I think they've got a lot of options, and no matter what they do, He's a nice piece moving forward. What I like about Miles Bridges, for anyone that hasn't watched his interviews or seen him play, he's actually a friend of former Michigan State player Draymond Green. And actually, he's Draymond Green has helped him to understand just the importance of being positionless. And in interviews, Miles Bridges has said just that. So I think a guy that understands that the modern NBA is in a position where players are playing multiple positions, and you're not just pigeonholed into, let's say, you know, just a power forward, just a small forward he's going to be able to guard multiple positions, play multiple positions, and he makes a lot of sense at pick number 11 or 12, however when you look at it for the Hornets looking at the Clippers, like we said they took Shy Gilgis, alexander and then with the second pick, the surprise for me was they took Jerome Robinson at 13. I thought there were better options available here as far as fit, but also you're not even taking best player available. I think taking Jerome Robinson here is a gigantic stretch. And I'm a, I'm one of his biggest fans, but he brings to the table, some, some would argue, the worst defender in the draft. Lots of issues for Jerome Robinson. Now, I know there's some talk about how part of the reason why Jerome Robinson was a bad defender is because that's just how they had the team set up. They didn't have the depth. They needed him to play major minutes, and so they definitely changed the schemes a bit to kind of hide him and make sure that he didn't get into foul trouble even if you take that aside i think he looks at many times a lazy defender i i don't know that i don't think physically he has any issues it's just there's definitely some problems in terms of effort i think on that end on top of that the guy that really had been mocked here by a lot of people not just me but it seemed like in the process you really started to hear that the clippers really liked him and that was at 13 was robert williams the center obviously ended up going much later but again, I, I just think that would have been a better pick here, especially if you're going to lose DeAndre Jordan, which I, I think they do. So I, I miss I miss these a little bit because uh, part of the other thing, too, was I had Colin Sexton going here, and he already went to the Cavaliers. So a little off there. I, do, I did think they'd go point guard, which they did. I'm just not sold on the second pick going with Jerome Robinson. Moving on to pick 14, you have the Denver Nuggets, and they are the beneficiaries of a player sliding due to medical concerns. We talked during the process that there was a chance that Michael Porter Jr. actually might not play the entire next season, which I do think hurts the Nuggets quite a bit. It was one of the reasons why I was not big on drafting him. You know, if he had fallen to the Wolves, I think I would have considered passing just because while he's a big talent, if he's going to sit on an entire season, that that does us nothing. We need people that can play right away. And I I would argue sort of the Nuggets, and so it's kind of a goofy deal here. But they swing for the fences. They do go for that home run pick. Whether he's able to play next year or maybe he starts the year after, you do have a very high ceiling. You have a relatively high floor, but again, a lot of that's going to come down to the medicals, whether it's the back, whether it's the reported hip issues he had. There's definitely some red flags and some concerns, and that's why he's available here at 14, but they do take a chance. We'll see if it pays off. I had them taking Shea Gilgis Alexander in mine, but... Again, he's already been taken, and so they swing for the fences. So it's hard to necessarily uh, get upset with a team that goes this route when they're not – you know, it's not like the Nuggets are are already there. They're still building it. They're still trying to get to that next step. And so to grab a guy like him that can potentially help you out much more in the long run, uh, I can can at least understand a bit. I can at least respect it. Moving on to pick 15, we have the Washington Wizards. I had them selecting Lonnie Walker – now, uh, uh, in real life, they do not go that direction. They do go with Troy Brown Jr. I thought it made a lot of sense for them to go with one of two things. I thought it made sense to get them a, a backup guard, or I thought it made sense to get a center type player of the future because they've got some older pieces in the post. You know, some of their best pieces are still young, and uh, are the guys, you know, you've got Bradley Beal, you've got John Wall. So I wasn't totally sold on this pick where they went Troy Brown. I think that Troy Brown's floor is not great. He really needs to get better at shooting. Uh, Let's take a look at the CBS Sports, what they have to say. The fit is weird, just like I talked about. Uh, Can Brown, who can play both guard spots, ever join John Wall on the court? Not a good shooter yet, and he'll be a longer-term project than some other players that were available, such as Kyrie Thomas. One One of my favorite players in this draft, actually, was Kyrie Thomas, so I get that. But he's also not as high upside as Lonnie Walker. He's a good player at the right value, but how will it work? And they graded a C C+, could not agree with them more. I actually had Troy Brown sliding uh, quite a bit in this draft from where his original expectations were. I mean, you're listed as a shooting guard, and you're not known as a shooter. I always have concerns there when you come into the league because look at it this way. Becoming a good shooter is never a guarantee. So many guys have come into this league, they don't have a great shot. And you hear an analyst go, well, all it is is shooting. All he's got to do is learn how to shoot. It's so much more than that. For anyone that plays basketball, perfecting a jump shot, I would say, is an art form. I just think there's a lot more to it than just jumping in the gym one day and saying, hey, here I go. I'm going to be a shooter. It just, There's more to it than that. And you really got to figure out what your place is as far as the league is concerned. And I, Troy Brown just scares me a bit. So, again, that's their pick. I had them going Lonnie Walker, which would have made a lot more sense. But what do you do? We move on. 16, we already talked about this. But this ended up being the the trade between the Suns and the Sixers. So it's Zaire Smith goes here. And ultimately, he makes his way to the Philadelphia 76ers. I very much like Zaire Smith. The guy gets after it on both ends. He's athletic. He's able to box out with, with the best of them. The guy makes that. When, when he gets to do a game, boxing out, rebounding, is, has, has someone at his stage, one of his coaches, really just pu- punched it into his mind how important it is to grab rebounds, to box out, to fight in there. And he does that. And so I think this is, no matter who was going to get Zaire Smith, it was a good pick. But again, like we talked about before, I just don't love the way it worked out for both teams. Moving on to 17, the Bucks take one of my favorite players in this draft, a guy I was really, really hoping what the Wolves would get. That's shooting guard Dante Divincenzo. He was the the Villanova redshirt sophomore. Now, after the draft, I I, I saw a few people that were kind of ripping Dante. I'm sorry, the guy is an absolute perfect uh, player in today's NBA. I think he brings it on both ends. He works really hard. If you haven't seen it yet, watch the video of him from the combine. You know, some guys chose not to not to perform at the combine. Some guys uh, went to the combine. Maybe you didn't really feel like they were giving it their all. Dante really sold out when it came to let's talk about the scrimmage the guy was diving for balls he's really getting in there he's uh, taking contact he's doing all the little things what I like about Dante's game is it's very all-encompassing he can rebound he can pass Uh, you know he sees the floor very well he's actually a very good team leader good shooter 85 threes made on the season shooting 40 percent lots of things to like about Dante and I think he would have made a lot of sense for the Timberwolves for me, looking at my mock, I had the Bucks. Now, they're sitting at 17. I had them taking Jerome Robinson, the guy that went earlier to the Clippers. Now, again, even at 17, I was a little taken aback uh, for a guy like Jerome Robinson to go to the Bucks, But you kept hearing that his, that his value was shooting up draft boards. And so I kind of thought going with a guy like him that's just a, a really good scorer made a lot of sense. You know, at the time, I didn't love the fit of Dante DiVincenzo here. Just because uh, I was a little salty, I wanted him to go to the Wolves. So I think that was more so my issue with this. I think the nice thing about Dante is I do think he's going to be able to play a little one and a little two. I have seen other people question whether he's got the size to defend threes. And I think that's fair. I think he's mostly going to be playing ones and twos. And I think that his court vision, though, along with his high basketball IQ, is going to make him... I think ultimately it'll be a, a good fit for the Bucks. We'll see how it works out. Looking at com, they mention the Michael Jordan of Delaware is ready to st- is ready to step in and be a shooter. And next to playmaking forward Giannis, he could play point guard or shooting guard, just like we just talked about. He'll join Malcolm Brogdon in that role and has more offensive upside. He's a playmaker with confidence who can take a lot of roles. So in the end, now th- there might be some players, you know, one guy I really wanted to see the Bucks consider would have been Koba, who ends up going uh, much later, but uh, just a really high upside guy. Uh, you know, a true point guard that would have really fit in well with what the Bucks are building. But ultimately I do like what they did here. I think Dante is a fantastic pick and a side note to this. I did see that there was a, there was a report about how the Bucks actually had a potential trade in the works. They were looking at trading with, I believe it was the Hawks. And in the end it fell through because the reports came out that the Bucks were going, were going to go a different direction and so when the Hawks found out that the Bucs weren't taking their guy, they backed out of trade discussions. So just something to consider down the road. Again, if you're the Bucks, maybe close your doors a bit. Maybe don't let that stuff leak. Let's not blame – I've seen some people start blaming reporters for stuff like this. You know, guys like Waj, guys like Shams that are reporting this. I'm sorry, but if you're a sports reporter and you get news, you're going to want to be the first one to report it, whether it's something basic, whether it's the draft, whether it's whatever. So if you don't want stuff like this to get out – Don't let it get out. Case in point, the Minnesota Timberwolves, it is rare that you hear what they're going to be doing, whether that's via the draft, whether that's at free agency. They make sure to keep their doors shut, and more teams need to take that option, I think. As fun as it is as fans, you know, a lot of fans are thinking, I really want to know what my team's going to do. I really want to know, like, the plans, thoughts, stuff like that. But if that stuff stuff starts getting leaked out, that can hurt your franchise. Case in point here, the Bucs could have gotten some some future considerations, maybe a second-round pick or something to move back. They end up not getting that. So food for thought. Uh, Moving on to pick number 18, we have the Spurs. And, you know, as always, the Spurs are a team very similar, I feel like, to some of the other great organizations where they just kind of find ways to get good talent. And in this scenario, they have Lonnie Walker slides to them. An absolute coup if you're them. I actually had them taking Zaire Smith, another player that would have made a lot of sense, but he's already gone. So I love the pick of Lonnie Walker that some people thought was going to be a top 10 pick potentially. So I think you really hit a home run here. I think he fits well whether you have, this is similar to the Cavs pick. He fits well whether you keep Kawhi or if Kawhi's out the door. Lonnie Walker is a nice piece for the future. Pick number 19, I had the Hawks going Kevin Herter. There were some reports that they possibly made a, a promise to Kevin Herter here and they do end up taking him so it's possible they made a promise here it's tough to say for sure but I really like Kevin Herter and what they were able to get for anyone that has not watched his game he is a fantastic shooter and because of that shooting some people have kind of given him a Clay Thompson type vibe in terms of comparisons so he can make a lot of sense here looking at com, they say the Hawks may have exited this draft class with the two best shooters Herter and Trey Young and that's what we talked about before it kind of looks like with these two picks, whether you love them or hate them, at least the Hawks have decided on a direction they want to go, and they've embraced the modern shooting movement. That alone merits a good grade, they say. Will Herder ever be more than a solid role player? Probably not, but he could add a lot to a team that has needed help on the wings for years. I think you could get a guy in Herder. maybe he ends up being a Kyle Korver type player, where he's going to come in and just get buckets, threes specifically, I should say going to jump in day one and be able to score so I like Kevin Herter I think he's going to be a decent defender I think he's going to be a decent two-way player and I actually would, would disagree I don't think you're getting just a role player in Herder. at least I mean not long term I think initially yes of course like a lot of rookies he's not necessarily going to jump in and get you you know major statistics but I think with what the Hawks have there's a good chance he does get a lot of minutes so time will tell there Moving on to the most important pick of the draft, obviously, being that we are the Howell Radio here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Again, remember, this is our draft review. This is our first-half segment. Timberwolves at pick 20. Looking at what I had kind of thought they were going to do, you you kind of go down the line. Originally, I was thinking they might go with a guy like Zanin Musa. Again, in this latest mock, I had them taking Dante DiVincenzo, a guy that I think would have fit them so perfectly. They end up taking Josh Akogi. Now, again, that is how you pronounce his name. It is Josh Akogi. I did a little research there, and if you watch any of his game film, uh, you, you'll notice that that's what they call him. Looking at cbsports.com, Sports. Akogi was kind of a hit. It was kind of hidden on a mediocre college team, but he wowed at the NBA draft combine. He has all the tools to be a standout role player, or even more. And he probably is among the best upside picks left. We're now wondering when Robert Williams will get picked. You and me both, when I'm watching the draft, I'm saying, I can't believe he's still available. But at the same time, it's weird that they would mention it here. Like they thought we were going to maybe, this would be a team that might take him. We're not taking Robert Williams. We already have tons of big men. We don't need any more. We didn't need the one we took last year in Justin Patton. Even he doesn't make a lot of sense. So we definitely were never going Robert Williams here. Despite the fact that he would have been good value, you just can't do that. I mean, you can't do it. Um, I've heard some people talk about how a Kogi was uh, one of the guys you know, that they targeted as a player. They were like, look, this is who we're taking. And it makes a lot of sense. I do, I do understand, though, I think the Wolves were really high on Dante DiVincenzo as well. Another, that's the guy that I had talked about. So I think they had a few options, and they were just hoping one of them would be available. Josh Okogie is available. Now, some people think that this is a little bit of a reach. But what I've heard is that uh, there was a team that was supposed to pick shortly after the Timberwolves that if we did not take him, they were going to. If you have not watched Josh Kogi's game, I, I I I promise you go on to you can go on to YouTube. They've got some of his full games. He's, they've got his highlights. You can find full games of Georgia Tech in a bunch of different places. So Georgia Tech is a team. They're coached by one of my, a coach I really like, just because he's got kind of a cool story. As far as you know, when he was really young, I think it was eighth grade. Uh, his so the Georgia Tech coach Josh Passner, he decided he wanted to be a basketball coach. So I kind of like that he did that. He saw his goal, and he became that coach. Very solid coach. But aside from coach, Josh Okoge didn't get a lot of help at Georgia Tech. Watch his games. That guy had to do too much, and he was asked to do too much. Despite that, he put up fantastic college numbers. Very good athlete, uh, 42-inch vertical. He's able to hit the three, although uh, he definitely has some work to do on his shot. Can get to the line. He's very good at drawing fouls. Uh, Going to be a solid, I think he's going to be a solid, solid defender at this next level. He's got a 7-foot wingspan. So there's a lot to like about Josh Okoge. The physicals are off the charts. (laughs) One thing, if you have not seen it on Twitter that's been going around, is they compare the statistics, both physically and on the court, of Josh Okoge with Donovan Mitchell. And Josh Okoge is better in literally every single category. Now, I'm not saying Josh Okoge is going to be Donovan Mitchell, but... It's kind of interesting, you look at a guy and they're almost identical in terms of statistics and physicals, but one's you know, superior in almost every category. I think he actually might be superior in every category. So that's going to be something to watch. I'm, I'm very excited for Josh Okogie and I love the pick at pick 20. Pick 21, we have the Utah Jazz. They select Grayson Allen. Now I was really torn on who they were going to take here. I was not sold necessarily on one guy. Part of that was we had a lot of conversations with, you know, we had conversations with Mark Wallen, who who covers the Utah Jazz, and he's on the Courtroom Show, another show from uh, Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, and and he talked about how there was a number of players that they liked. Uh, my understanding after the fact, uh, in in talking with people and kind of seeing things, is they really liked Grayson Allen, and they were very pleased that he landed here. Looking at CBS Sports, they say offense for a team that needs offense, Allen is a great athlete with a varied skill set. He's a known commodity, not an upside pick, but he might have some left even after four years at Duke. He could play with Donovan Mitchell, potentially a lot, if Mitchell slides two point guard long term. So I really do like Grayson Allen's fit here. I think he's a competitor. Now, granted, you're hoping that he moves on from some of those on-the-court issues, and, and, he's, and he's able to be a contributor right away, and I think he will. I think he is a player that's learned, and I think if you look at the... If you look at the team the Jazz have built, there's a lot of things to like about his fit with them. And they've got some nice veterans. They've got some good young pieces. Guys like Ricky Rubio, heck, I'm going to even add Donovan Mitchell, even though he's young. They're not going to let Grayson Allen get away with stuff at the NBA level. And so I think whether he's already turned that corner himself, someone in that organization is going to make sure that he does. Moving on. Oh, and by the way, I had them taking Troy Brown, who I thought would slide to this position. Obviously, like we talked about, The Wizards did reach a little bit for my money, but uh, since he was not available, it makes a lot of sense to go with a player like Grayson Allen. Looking at the Bulls, uh, I have them taking Chandler Hutchison. Makes a lot of sense, and that is who they took. Uh, For weeks, we've heard that there was probably a promise here to Hutchison from the Bulls, and the fact that they did take him, all the more reason to believe that there was, in fact, a promise. Moving on to pick 23, the Pacers. I really felt like... For the Pacers, it made a lot of sense for them to go with a point guard. And in the end, that is exactly what they end up doing. So they take Aaron Holiday here, a player I actually thought was going to go earlier to the Suns. but I And I had them going, actually, uh, Elliot Kobo, who would have made a lot of sense also. But they do end up going with point guard Aaron Holiday, a solid shooter. He's out of US UCLA, good point guard. CBS Sports says he's a scorer who can play on, on or off the ball. He's a point guard who doesn't make many mistakes. Lightning fast. He's got two brothers who are solid NBA players. And the Pacers could use a point guard of the future. There's no losing with this pick. I agree. I think it's a fantastic pick by the Pacers. I really love what they're building. Obviously, you have some nice pieces, whether it's Sabonis, whether it's Oladipo. And I think they're headed in the right direction. And they already made the playoffs this past season. They've already uh, started off on the right foot post Paul George. And so I think this is just another step in that right direction. 24, we have the Trailblazers. They end up going with Anthony Simons. Anthony Simons is a player that we don't know a ton about just because we haven't been able to watch him much. He went to IMG Academy. He did decide to forego college. Looking at Anthony Simons, I did not have him going in the first round, actually. I had kind of heard that he was starting to slip, so I was a little surprised at this pick here. I actually had them going Jacob Evans, who, another good player, maybe didn't have the upside necessarily as Simons, But I think he would have made a lot of sense. Either way, I'm not going to fault them too much. So, Simons was the pick here to the Blazers. Moving on to pick 25, uh, the Lakers. They end up selecting uh, center Mo Wagner out of Michigan. Funny thing is, in my first mock you know, months ago, I think this is actually who I had them taking was Mo Wagner. So, apparently, I should have just stuck with him. I must have done too much uh, fiddling over the months. But... Mo Wagner, I, I like Mo Wagner. You know, as a, as a big fan of the Gophers, I got to watch him at Michigan uh, in the Big Ten matchups. So I really, liked, I really liked what he brought to the table. Now, the player I had them taking was Mitchell Robinson. In fact, there were some reports. Uh, they had kind of been refuted, but there were some reports that they had a promise to Mitchell Robinson. So I actually stuck with him here. But again, they do go a different direction. Just in terms of player, same position, though. Uh, CBS Sports says Wagner has a lot of strengths. He's a good offensive player who plays hard and can shoot as a stretch center. Creative scorer, but can he overcome his defensive disadvantages? And I will say that's a question I do have. Robert Williams has the defensive side covered, and he has the, and he was the better pick here. He's becoming a real steal now. And again, yeah, look at it that way. If you're looking at what was actually available, I think the Lakers made a huge mistake. Because you're, you're sitting here at 25, and Robert Williams is still available. To me, that was the, that was the no-brainer pick and unfortunately the Lakers decided uh, not to go that route and I, I do think that that was a mistake I think if they would have gone with Robert Williams here I think that would have made a lot of sense but again they go with Mo Wagner who could end up being a better uh, who could could end up being a pretty good player I for my money though I would have gone in a different direction pick 26 the 76ers end up taking Landry Schemette the the Wichita State junior now in in previous mocks, I had actually thought about having him go there. It was a guy that I liked to them. But I, what I had done, I had kind of felt like maybe they would go with someone that they could more of a draft and stash type player, just given they already have a lot of youth. And given that how well they're playing, I had them going uh, Zan and Musa. But in this scenario, the 76ers do end up taking Landry Schmidt at the point guard uh, out of Wichita State. A very solid player. I kind of had him at that you know, end of the first, early second stage. So I get why they took him here. And it's nice to have uh, another point guard in your back pocket. Whether Markel Fultz gets better or not, you have a guy that can help out in the future, can be that future backup point guard, or maybe he steps up. If Fultz doesn't prove to be the guy, and maybe you have to move on to him, you have another nice young option. Looking at CBSports.com, they say 76ers, they need a shooter because almost everyone on their roster who can shoot is a free agent. They get one of the draft's best. Chimette is a classic on or off ball point guard with size. Can be a backup plan if Markel Fultz doesn't ever find his fit too. So just like I said, it makes a lot of sense for them to take him here. Pretty good value. I think this is right in that area where he would have gone. Now, talk about value. We want to pick 27 and the Celtics get an absolute steal in Robert Williams. CBS Sports says the Celtics get the defensive-minded, elite rebounding big man that they needed. So this is the, to me, this is very much like Jordan Bell. I think a lot of teams really dropped the ball in letting him fall this far, and he ends up going to a team that could really use him. So you know, obviously you have Al Horford there, but he's not your long-term answer, and I think this fits out a t- fit, really helps them out a lot. Uh, the grade here on CBS Sports they mentioned is an A+, and I could not agree more. I think it's the perfect pick at this stage, not only for value, but if it's a need, too. So, ah, uh, just frustrates you. And, and on top of that, you know, you, you, really, you really get angry at the teams that were in front of them that let this happen. You wish they would have found a way. You know, there's so many other teams that could have taken a chance on them. We talk about the Lakers. I just think the way this draft ended up falling really does not, really hurts a lot of the teams, especially in the East, going forward. So for my money, looking at my mock draft for the Celtics, I did have them taking Grayson Allen, who I think also would have been a good pick. And it was a player that my understanding was that Danny Ainge really liked him, but he was not available. And on top of that, I think even if he was, they probably would have gone Robert Williams. I, I, think, I don't think anyone expected him to be here. The fact that he is, is a coup. Moving on to 28, another team that really benefits from a player sliding is the Warriors. They take Jacob Evans. Just like last year, I gotta be upset with the teams in front of them. You know, if teams like the Clippers, if teams, you know, up there that like the Lakers, I think there were teams that just took the wrong players. You know, we talked about earlier that I really like when teams say, "This is the guy that I want." I, I target him. I'm gonna find a way to get him. That's all well and good, but let's not let's not take stretches. Let's not take guys way too early. And teams did that, and I think it it really hurt. I think it's gonna hurt a lot of teams out there because teams like the Warriors, teams like the Celtics uh, really benefited a lot from the way this worked out. So uh, I'm, I'm a little frustrated with it. I know a lot of fans are, and we'll see what happens with that. But I just think an absolute steal for the Warriors here at pick number 28. Looking at my mock draft and who I had them taking, at 28 I went with Gary Trent Jr. Also would have been a really good pick, but with Jacob, with Jacob Evans there, it was a no-brainer. A very good uh, 3 and D player who projects to be able to help them out day one. Very similar to Jordan Bell from last season. Moving on to pick 29, uh, I actually had Kade Bates' job going here. Now, we'll talk about him a little later, but what the Nets end up doing at pick 29 is Zahn and Musa. Again, I need to just stick with what I go with originally. I had Zahn and Musa to the Nets for a while just because I love his upside. Absolutely love it. Now, his floor as an offensive player is already off the charts. If he could learn to play defense, this is an absolute home run pick. I do wonder when he's going to come over. I know he had talked about how he wanted to come over right away. I think for the Nets, why not? Why not? I don't think you need to straf- d- draft and straf- draft and stash a guy like him. I think this makes a lot of sense to grab a guy like Musa here and and bring him over next year. If if nothing else, uh, you can kind of gr- have him grow in your system, and you can make sure he's going in the right direction. So twenty nine, the Nets take Zan and Musa. Moving on to the last pick in the first round. We have the Hawks, and uh, they end up going with Amari Spellman. Just like we talk about with other players, I think this is a stretch. I think there's better centers available. I think there's better players to go with. I, I don't love this pick. CBSSports.com says, Spellman can shoot and block shots, filling the role of modern center nicely. The Hawks get another big-time three-point shooter at a very different size from Trey Young and Kevin Herter. He doesn't fit with their current needs, but the turnover can happen quickly on a rebuilding roster. They give it a B-minus. I think that's fair. I do think he could be a solid player. He's not a bad player. Look, I'm not down on Amari Spellman. I just think there were better options at this stage. But again, now, they, they, they obviously have a need here where they said, look, we're going we're gonna to become shooters. We're going to embrace that modern NBA. And they do go that route. So while I don't like the pick necessarily at number 30, I do get why they made it in terms of what they are trying to rebuild, what they are trying to start as far as really embracing the modern NBA and shooting. And that does it for the first round. We will go over the second round as well. But obviously, no, I was not mocking that. I only mocked the first round. So from here on out, there'll be a little less to go over. Uh, As far as my mock was concerned, I had the Hawks looking at Jalen Brunson, who would have made a lot of sense here. Or I did like the fit of possibly Kobo. In my mock, he was gone. In real life, he was here. So uh, that would have been another pick you could have maybe looked at. But again, when you started off with Trey Young, I think you're already you're fairly set at the point guard position. On top of that, they do still have Dennis Schroeder. And since they have not been able to move off of him as of yet, you definitely couldn't go with another point guard here. Otherwise, you're looking at a David Kahn 2.0. Moving on to the second round, things start to get interesting. One of my favorite picks in this draft was the first pick by the Suns, Kobo. I just think... Now, take away the trading. Take away that. But if you just look at the fact the Suns walked away... So far at this stage, with Elliot Kobo, obviously number one was DeAndre Ayton, and then you're talking about they also got Mikael Bridges. I am I'm absolutely floored with what the Suns were able to do. Absolutely love their draft. I love their future. I love what they're building. And as a Wolves fan, I hate it because they're in our division. They are in our conference, and uh, I am frustrated by that. But I love this pick of Elliot Kobo to to. Number one, to the Suns in the second round because he could have gone a lot earlier. Pick number two, we have the Grizzlies. Uh, we had heard uh, before the draft that they had possibly made a promise to Jevin Carter, and that's who they end up taking here. Uh, CBS Sports says, Carter is a really solid defender who improved his offense at every stage. He's strong and reliable, and he'll grit and grind. Now, obviously, currently, your point guard is Mike Conley. That's, that's just who's there. That's who you're going to start as long as he is healthy. But Jevon Carter is a nice little pickup here. I think that he could contribute down the road, probably able to contribute a little bit off the bat as well. I don't know if they're going to make him a standard player, if they're going to two-way him. You have a few options with a player in the second round. And actually, looking back quick at the Suns, they've already signed Coba to a four-year deal. Four years, $6 million, I want to say. Uh, So uh, really a nice piece there, and they they gave him that first-round type contract. So I like that a lot too. And Jevin Carter is a player. They might do something similar. Probably not in terms of uh, giving him big money necessarily, but just in getting him signed and getting him to be a part of that future. Pick number three in the second round is the Mavericks. They they go Jalen Brunson. I like Jalen Brunson. So I do think this is a pretty good value pick. They've obviously got some some depth now at the point guard position. They've still got JJ Barea. Uh, I believe he's probably not obviously in the long-term plans. He's, he's getting up there in age, but he might be a solid veteran. It's tough to say, you know, here on the hall, we're not big fans of JJ brand. When he was with the wolves, uh, to put it nicely he sucked. <laughs> Let's just say that he was not a good player. I did not like him here, but there are some things that he can maybe teach some of these young players. But if you look at their roster, Yogi Ferrell's there. He really impressed at times. You have Dennis Smith jr. And everyone knows what he brings to the table. And now you're adding Jalen Brunson. CBS Sports.com says this run on point guards now sees perhaps the most te- polished and definitely the most accomplished college player in the draft come off the board. Brunson's shooting and post game make him an interesting and unique player who projects to be an excellent excellent backup for Dennis Smith Jr. Can they even play together? So grade A, and I, I would agree. I think this is a good value pick. Not necessarily a need, but. I do think this gives you another option. If you're not totally infatuated with a guy like Yogi Ferrell, I think Jalen Brunson brings a lot to the table. Looking at pick number four, we have a trade here, the Hawks. Uh, So the trade is Charlotte made this pick after trading two second-round picks to Atlanta, and Charlotte ends up taking Devontae Graham, a point guard. So again, it made a lot of sense at some point they were going to go with point guard in this draft, given a lot of the rumors that they just are not willing to pay that Supermax money to Kemba Walker, and they're looking to trade him, which – you know, for my money, I think they're gonna trade him this offseason. They're gonna find a way to make that work if they can get the right pieces back. So it's good to have a point guard on the roster. It's good to bring someone in that's going to be able to help you down the road. So I get it. Looking at the magic at pick number five, they take a guy that a lot of people felt was gonna go in the first round. And that shooting guard, Melvin Frazier. Uh, you know, he's a three and D player, he's got a lot to like. Um, just going over what CBS Sports says, Frazier's a pure three and D player but he's not exactly an upside pick or a playmaker. How will he play in a roster where he's going to have to find his own shots at an NBA level? It'll be about how Magic developed their offense. Now, they give this a bad grade. I actually like the pick, not necessarily for the fit, but you're a team like the Magic, you're going for best player available, and there's a good argument that he is that, or at least he's one of those options. So, you know, we're not talking about the Clippers here and taking Jerome Robinson 13th. We're talking about the fifth pick in the second round, taking a guy that many thought was a first-round talent. So I have no issues here. I think it's a solid pick by the Magic. Pick number six, the Knicks do something that makes a lot of sense for a team in their situation, which is going with, again, like we talked about, one of the best players available, Mitchell Robinson. He's got a high upside. I actually had him going uh, sooner than this. I actually thought he was going to go to the Lakers in that first round. Obviously, you had the Lakers definitely uh, with a bit of a stretch when they took Moritz Wagner. And that pushed some other pieces back. Robert Williams was available. When he moved back, this gave the Knicks the opportunity to take him at pick number six. Now, we talked about in the first round when the Knicks picked, another guy they were really infatuated with was Wendell Carter Jr. When they did not get him, it's nice that they're able to grab another center uh, that fits maybe what they're kind of trying to build there in New York. Mitchell Robinson's kind of a question mark, just given that you did not get to watch him in college. So we'll see what he brings to the table for the Knicks, but I really love this pick at uh, number six in the second round. Pick number seven, you have the Kings we're supposed to pick here. Uh, They had a trade. Portland made this pick after trading two future second-round draft picks to the Kings. Portland gets uh, one of our favorites on this show, shooting guard Gary Trent Jr. out of Duke. This pick gets a B, according to CBS Sports. Uh, I absolutely love this pick for Portland. Uh, Trent will play for the Blazers, where he's yet another offensive-minded guard but he's got the tools to, to develop long-term. Perhaps the Blazers can, can use Anthony Simons and Trent to push each other as rookies and second-year players. Now, I will say this. Given that they took Anthony Simons earlier, it does. I get why you might not love this pick as much. Now, they have a lot of guards on this team. They have a lot of needs on this team. They have no cap flexibility. When you look at all of that combined, it does make you question it a little bit, but if you say to yourselves, I don't know if CJ is going to be here long-term. I don't know if Dame is going to be here long-term. If you have some question marks as to how you're going to keep that top end together, it does make some sense to grab some high upside guards. That is what they end up doing. So, time will tell as far as the Blazers are concerned. I don't love their draft, just because I think Simons is a player they might have been able to get where they took Gary Trent here. So, I don't love what they did, but I, I respect it. Let's say that. I don't love it, but I respect it. At number eight, you have the 76ers we're supposed to pick here. They end up trading. Detroit makes this pick. They trade two future second-round picks to Philly, and Detroit ends up taking one of the players that I love in this draft, Kyrie Thomas, a great 3-and-D player. What they say on CBSSports.com, this is exactly what the Pistons, who acquired the pick from the overly pick-rich 76ers, needed. Thompson, Thomas can play offense and defense at high levels right away. He's a first-round talent. I had him as a top-20 prospect at a no-risk spot. They get an A+. Who doesn't get an A+, is Kyrie Thomas and his team. I think they made a huge mistake by not going and working out for other teams. He did what he could to stay away from the Timberwolves, and as a result, well, guess what? We stayed away from you, Kyrie, and that's unfortunate because I think you would have fit what we were building here. And you're going to an organization like the Pistons that you just kind of hope find a way to use you correctly. But again, they're going in a different direction. Obviously, uh, they're going you know new coach, new GM. They've really changed up what they're doing, what their philosophy is. And I, I I would love to see how they end up using Kyrie. And I think he ends up being a really nice selection for them. You know, on CBSports.com, they have him listed as a point guard. Uh, that's news to me. I've not seen him uh, listed as a point guard. So we'll see if that's how he's used. A lot of that's going to depend on Reggie Jackson and his future too. So moving on to pick number nine. It was supposed to be the Lakers. The Lakers made this pick after sending a 2019 second rounder and cash to the Sixers. So the Lakers end up taking Isaac Bonga. I love Isaac Bonga as a prospect. I'm not going to say that the guy's got a high floor, but I do love him as a prospect. Uh, you know, He's listed as, I mean, a crazy tall point guard. I mean, if you look at some of his measurables, it's, it's pretty off the charts just um, how physically gifted he could be as far as a point guard is concerned. What they say on CBS Sports... Very young player with great size who joins the Lakers. This is a win because you can try him out in a lot of roles, but he also might never be an NBA player. Now, I'm going to disagree there. I think he's for sure going to be an NBA player. I love his upside, and I do think at a certain point, he's going to make it to the NBA, and I think he's going to shine. I He was one of my, uh, I guess, favorite sleeper picks, and he makes a lot of sense here at number nine for the Lakers. Moving on to the Nets, you have Rodion Kurix uh, out of Latvia, goes to the Nets. I think this is a a pretty good pick here. You know, what one person said here on CBS Sports, there's an argument that Kirk's is better than first rounder Zan and Musa right now, which that could be the case, I guess. He's they say his upside seems low, but he might actually be an NBA player, which is a fine value for a European in the forties. I have no problem with this pick. I get it. Uh he 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 I think he's supposed to be a draft in stash. Uh but I guess time will tell here. But he's probably a little more ready, they say, than Musa, although the Moose's upside is way off the charts. And here's the deal. You got Kurix here. You weren't getting Zan and Moose here. He would have been gone at this stage. So you had to take him where you did. And you got two players you really like. So kudos to the Nets. I like what they're what they're trying to build here. At number eleven, uh, we have a trade. Denver Nuggets make this pick after trading forty-three and a future second rounder to the Magic. And the Nuggets take Jared Vanderbilt, the Kentucky freshman. Um you know, I, I I can't say that I know a total ton about his game, power forward. Uh, com says the Nuggets need defense, and Vanderbilt specializes in that. But will there be any minutes? He might be put on a two-way contract at first. And I think that's true. I think he probably likely does, given what they already have on their roster. He's not a guy that you're expecting to play major minutes, or maybe any minutes at the start. So he probably is a very good two-way prospect as far as they are concerned. Moving on to pick 12, the Pistons select again. They take Bruce Brown Jr. Uh, you know there was a time when Draft Express, for example, had Bruce Brown going to the going to the Minnesota Timberwolves at pick number twenty. So I get Bruce Brown here at twelve. He's a player that I think could have been a first rounder if the, if his situation had changed a little bit. But I like the value here uh, going with Bruce Brown Jr. Now they did just take a guard a few picks before with Kyrie Thomas, but in terms of value, I think this is about. Um, what you'd expect from a team like the Pistons that definitely has some growing room. So I like it. I like the pick. At 13, you have the Nuggets. Uh, they end up being a trade here. The Orlando Magic make this pick. They traded at number 41 to the Nuggets. Uh, they took The Magic took Justin Jackson, the Maryland sophomore. Again, I'm not going to claim to know a ton about his game. Uh, when I'm watching Maryland, I was focusing more on Kevin Herter. Jackson might have been, they say on CBSports.com, might have been a first-rounder last year. He played hurt and then had his season end prematurely this year, but it appears to have been a pretty much a lost year. (coughs) There were questions about his shot. He made threes as a freshman, but it never quite seemed truly sustainable. That simply can't be answered. So they don't love the pick here. I guess I'm going to say I don't necessarily love the pick here, but you're taking a chance on a guy that could have some nice upside if you get him back to where he was previously uh, before the injury. So we'll see. Could be an interesting pick there for the Magic. I, I don't know that I necessarily understand or uh, like the direction the Magic have started going, but you know, let's say you look at no one else on your roster and you look at just Mo Bamba, and I think you're headed in the right direction. That's how good he could potentially be. At pick number 14, the second round, you have the Wizards took... Isif Sanin out of the Ukraine at CBS Sports they say he might be the most fun player to watch in the second round, but his free-flowing erratic style doesn't project well to the NBA. if you can tame it down, he has a lot of natural talent. So the wizards, I, I don't love their draft if I'm going to be honest you know in this in this instance they give them a C+ uh, taking him here. Uh, you know I wasn't totally sold on what they did with pick 15 and Troy Brown. I think they were better options as far as both picks are concerned, but hey wizards, you do you? You, uh, you do what you want to do, and I, I'm going to disagree with it, though. I do n- I'm not a big fan of what the Wizards have done here in this draft. At pick 15, there was a trade. The Hornets make this pick after trading Dwight Howard to the Nets, and the Hornets end up taking uh, Hamadou D'Allo, uh, the Kentucky freshman, a wing. I, I really like this pick. I like Hamadou. I think he's got some nice upside, and the Hornets could definitely use that at this stage. They're, they're a team that, that can go of a few different directions. I think even if you're with Kemba, I don't think your your upside's real great. I think if you move on from Kemba, though, depending on what you get back in that trade, I think you can jumpstart what could be kind of a potential rebuild. But uh, again, like most things, time will tell on that. At pick 16, one of my favorite picks of the draft, and I think an absolute steal by the Rockets, point guard DeAnthony Melton out of USC. Now, he was one of the people that uh, was part of that FBI investigation. So, uh, you know, they've talked about here on CBS Sports, you won't find a player who can do more at the point guard position in this draft. He had lottery talent. The concern before the suspension was his jumper, but at this point, this is a tremendous pick. I could not agree more. I absolutely love this pick. Now, again, you're probably locking up Chris Paul long-term, but on top of that, Chris Paul's getting up there, and you need someone that's going to be able to step in in the future. I think it could easily be DeAnthony Mountain. And I think, just like we talked about the, with the Celtics in the first round and the Warriors in the first round, I think a lot of teams screwed up in letting Melton slide this far. So, uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not thrilled with the way some of the teams in the NBA drafted this season. I think, in terms of value, there were just too many reaches, and I think that really benefited some of the better organizations out there that really truly understand how to run an organization and also understand true player value. Pick 17 in the second round, uh, Svatislav Mikulik, uh, I'm, I'm sorry if that's not how you say his name, but uh, he's the Kansas senior. He's a shooter. Plain and simple. He's a great shooter, and there's nothing wrong in the NBA with going that route. Uh, some people do wonder, they even wonder this on CBS Sports, is whether or not he can reach NBA level in other areas. And that is a valid question. But I don't hate this pick. I, I, I think he brings to the table, like we talk about shooting, he can join a young Lakers core. And again, if if you're if you're going to draft a guy in the modern NBA, you want to go one of two directions. You either want to grab someone that's got some nice defensive upside or a guy that can shoot, and this guy can shoot. So I get it. I, I don't hate this pick. Moving on to pick 18, we have everyone's favorite team, the Timberwolves, uh, picking here in the second round. They get an absolute steal here. Kata bates job, uh, the Ohio State redshirt junior. The, they mentioned here on com. My favorite pick of the second half of the second round. Bates Dieppe could play right away for the Timberwolves. He fits next to Carl Towns. He's tough, skilled, and proven. If you have not watched Keita Bates Dieppe play, I strongly suggest you do. Tom Thibodeau came out and said, look, we were looking at possibly taking uh, KB, uh, KBP, KBD at pick number 20. And that's not that's not a lie. There were other teams. I know the Pacers were super high on him. And when Aaron Holiday fell to them, they went a different direction. But a lot of teams really like KBD and we talked about how some of these other organizations really benefited from, I think, teams really reaching in this draft. The Wolves benefit as well. Getting KBD here, I think, is an absolute steal. You could end up starting him next to Towns uh, once Taj Gibson's gone. He's a guy that, if you lose Bielitza is going to be able to get you those bench power forward minutes. The guy can shoot. He can defend. He works really hard, and I absolutely love this pick. I, from someone in the Ohio State locker room on Twitter, I did see a post. They talked about if you think he's a a a better a good player, he's an even better person. And for my money, I love guys like that that can contribute not only on the court but off the court as well. So this is an absolute home run by the Timberwolves. I wouldn't have liked him at pick 20, but at pick 48 uh, in that second round, I absolutely love it. At pick 19 in the second round, we have the Spurs. They take Chemezi Metu, a, a very solid player, a USC junior Uh, CBS Sports says there was a time when he looked like a future first-rounder, but his developmental curve leveled off a little. If any organization or any team is going to get the most out of this guy, it is, of course, the Spurs who find ways to really grow talent here in the NBA. So I love that pick for the Spurs just in the sense that I think if anyone's going to take a chance on a guy and try to build him up, get him to that next level, it is the Spurs. At number 20, you have the Pacers. They take Elise Johnson, the Missouri State senior, not going to claim to know a lot about his game. Uh, what they say on CBS Sports, he's a rebounder. But last season left a lot to be desired. On the offensive end, they give this pick a C plus. Again, when you get into that second round, uh, you know there's a reason why some people feel that second round picks are necessarily not a good value. I think some teams don't really understand the importance of second round picks and how good you can get based off of just second round picks. There's been a lot of steals in the second round, and I think this draft is going to prove that. 21, the Pelicans take point guard Tony Carr, Penn State sophomore. Uh, we're going to kind of jump through these last few picks here. Uh, 22, there's was a trade. The Rockets make this pick after trading cash considerations to Utah. So that does answer the question whether or not even in a deep draft, if you can buy picks, you can, in fact, buy picks. If you're the Jazz, I don't know that you necessarily should be trading picks to the top team in the West, but uh, it's not my call. So the Rockets take Vince Edwards, the power forward out of Purdue CBS sports says Edwards might be the most proven shooter in this draft year after year of consistent high level results at every level from a stretchy position. He fits the Rockets roster. Well, again, he's a power forward. They do give this an a minus as far as grade moving on to 23, the thunder, uh, shooting guard, Devin hall, Virginia senior CBS sports.com says the idea that he could be the next Malcolm Brogdon seems like a stretch. He simply didn't produce at nearly that level. So, uh, you know, this is another one of those guys, there's been a number of guys in the second round or the first round people felt were maybe a little bit of a stretch or in terms of value, and uh, this guy is no different. Uh, the next one, you have a pick that I really like. Uh, you had a trade here. Philadelphia made this pick after trading Ray Spaulding, uh, pick number 56, and Kostas Antetokounmpo, uh pick number 60 to Dallas. Uh, so they end up getting Philadelphia against Shake Milton. Uh, he's a player that a lot of people thought was a first-round talent. I really like what they did here as far as grabbing a player that really could help out long-term for Philadelphia, especially with a lot of their shooting guards, or sorry, I should say a lot of their shooters uh, going out the door this offseason. makes a lot of sense. They talk about, on CBS Sports, huge wingspan, position versatility, and strong shooting made it seem like he could have been a late first-rounder, and I couldn't agree more. They give this pick an A, and I do as well. I think this is a really solid pick here for Philadelphia. The Hornets at 25, they take Arnaldis Koboku Koboka uh, out of Lithuania at uh, number pick 20 26. 76ers. We talked about this. They made the pick for Dallas. Ray Spaulding, uh, the power forward out of Louisville. At 27, you have Kevin Hervey uh, out of Texas Arlington senior. That goes to the Thunder. Uh, CBS Sports says he absolutely deserved a spot in the second round. Was the kind of productive college player who turns himself into an NBA role player, given an A minus. Pick number 28. The Nuggets select center Thomas Welsh, UCLA senior. They say his lack of shot blocking and declining efficiency after Alonzo ball left are worrisome, but he's a seven footer. So it's one of those things where you're definitely taking a chance on a guy due to size. I don't love this pick necessarily, but I love the pick because it's the Nuggets and I do not wish for them to succeed. So in in that instance, I don't love the pick for any other team, but I'll, I'm fine with it for the Nuggets 29, the second to last pick in the draft. Uh, Shooting guard George King goes to the Suns, Colorado senior. CBS Sports says, can a college role player become an NBA role player? It works sometimes. So, again, I do think there were better players available. Uh, One guy, you know, Rawl Atkins is a guy that comes to mind. I do think there were some nice pieces that they passed on. And then last pick in the draft, you had a guy that I love his upside, and I would have taken a chance on him, which is Costas Antetokounmpo, the Dayton freshman uh, this ended up being a pick for Dallas, and I love that. I love that they make this pick, and they do get a guy with a lot of upside. Sports.com says if you've got a chance to grab Giannis Antetokounmpo's brother with the 60th pick, you do it. He's got great measurables, and he's worth the flyer. And it says on a former flyer because of the Dayton Flyers. So I love this pick, and that does it for um, – remember, we've been listening to the Howell. This is our first half, and this is our draft review Uh, on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Uh, Coming up, we got some tracks for you at halftime. And then stay tuned for the second half where we have our 2K all-day segment as well as in the fourth quarter, Howell Hardwood History, followed by Can Kevin Cousy.
0: That does it for the first half show. Stay tuned for the second half coming later this week on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere great podcasts are found. You can listen to us on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel on Wednesdays from 2 to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central.